CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the CoinWorld Podcast with your host, Jeff Stone. And as I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for fun. And Larry. And learning has been such a tremendous um, of this. The Coin World Podcast. Time once again for the Coin World Podcast. We're glad you're along to learn a little bit about this numismatic journey that we're on right here. I'm Larry Jewett. And I'm Jeff Stark. And uh, we're excited for this week's show. I get to talk about a story that I wrote not too long ago, and it's kind of fun because it's a little bit of controversy. And of course, we're going to do our um, usual foray into uh, the history of numismatics and, and explore, just uh, you know, have a, a friendly chat and, and learn and all that. We, we're glad you're here with us, and we're glad that uh, CoinWorld Plus is here with us to make this all possible. Now, I'm intrigued by what you've said right there about this particular story here because, I I mean, I'm especially intrigued because you have the assignment where you have to keep tabs on everything that's going on in the world. It's not just this uh, 50 states of America that you've got to focus on. You've got to focus on, I think, six other continents, basically. In fact, you even got to focus on part of the continent of North America as well as part of your duty. So, just the idea that you have such a broad brush that you get to deal with. And I'm not surprised that you come up with something a little bit on the unusual side every now and again. So, And that just happened recently. So go ahead. Tell us about this particular story. Yeah, you're right. I do cover the world as, as best I can, given the um, space and time limitations. But this story is out of Croatia. And Croatia, I it wasn't clear to me until last year when uh, a different controversy sort of erupted relating to these coin designs that Croatia would be adopting the euro uh, very soon. Actually, they're on track. The nation is on track to adopt the euro beginning 2023. So uh, a little more than 10 months from now. Well, uh, last year, the controversy was that an online poll uh, or vote for Euro designs had a write-in portion, and the most popular write-in portion uh, suggestion or idea that Croatians had about who to honor or what to honor on their coins featured Nikola Tesla, the uh, famous scientist, and of course, you know, the inspiration for the modern-day company Tesla. Well, Serbia had a big outcry. Uh, They said, wait a minute, Tesla is ours. Uh, He doesn't belong on Croatian coins. He belongs on our coins. Well, of course, actually, Serbia uh, has honored Tesla on multiple coins, but Croatia, you know, he, because of the complicated geopolitical nature of things, Tesla is a, was an ethnic Serb, but he was born in what is now Croatia in 1826, when the country was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So really both nations lay claim to this and and to him. Well, that was the controversy last fall, last uh, summer, last fall, somewhere in there. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago, 
when the designs were unveiled. They had a design vote last year, and but that was non-binding. It was only sort of, you know, to inform the National Bank and the national finance uh, officials uh, what they might do. So they unveiled designs here recently. And right away, the design that was selected for the one euro coin, one euro is about a dollar twenty US, dollar twenty five. That design shows a Martin, M-A-R-T-E-N, uh, you know, the little like furry animal in the forest on the trees, like a squirrel, um, sort of. And people said, gosh, that that image on the coin looks an awful lot like this photograph that this wildlife photographer in Great Britain took. And the photographer, I actually reached out to the photographer And he was like, yeah, I didn't know anything about this till, you know, people started contacting me. You do look, he he provided the image to us and said, you know, by all means, go ahead and and use it. And you look at that and you look at the coin and you go, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of similarity there. It it reminds me of the controversy over the um, 1992 U.S. Olympic silver dollar that to any baseball card collector who grew up or paid attention in the the 90s, they see that coin and they go, 1991 Fleer Nolan Ryan. And it looks exactly like that coin. And uh, that coin looks exactly like that baseball card. And, And then you go, okay, well, you know, there's a certain fluidity to movement. Animals are what they are. You know, baseball players are who they are, how likely is it that it was actually using that image in the case of the one euro coin or, or that baseball card in the case of that 1992 American dollar, you start to second guess and wonder and, okay, what's the deal? Is, is this really the case? Well, at least in the case of the uh, Martin coin, the person who won the design contest in Croatia, they said, forget it. I'm withdrawing my design. And the bank said, okay, we'll accept that. And we'll have a new design contest for this. Whether that person who withdrew <laughs> his name was doing that because they felt remorse and guilt or whether they were doing that to get attention to pivot off of them. You know, only they know for sure, but uh, you know, you can certainly, you you look in the coin world issue, something like uh, what was it? The uh, February 28th issue Mm -hmm. and it's online. Uh, You know, you look at it and you go, yeah, there's a similarity. I don't know. You know, I'll let, I'll let the viewer, the reader uh, be the ultimate arbiter, but it was fun to chase down that story. And, you know, like I said, in my story, I didn't even get to address the 1991 FLIR component, you know, on a U.S. side. There's been a couple things like this in numismatic history. The Croatian National Bank folks said this is not going to affect production of the euro and, and the debut of the euro next year. So who knows? You know, the fact that they had just made the announcement of the designs, it seems highly unlikely that they had made, you know, struck examples with, with the design, but, um, 
it's always fun to to peer behind the <laughs> the scenes a little bit and and get a better understanding of the politics of coin design and to um, track it and see how things work or in this case don't work. So then, I mean, you never had the opportunity to speak to the designer, uh, and but the Croatian National Bank put out the statement here. Did the designer in any way admit guilt? I mean, I don't see that. I mean, the actions by implication, but uh, was there any admission of guilt? No, not um, the Croatian National Bank said they received a statement from the designer declaring that he withdrew his draft design and renounced all rights based on his participation in the contest. I did not reach that designer. I reached the photographer, as I noted, who was uh, out of Nottingham in Great Britain. Like you say, you can implicate him because he says, forget it, but is that, is it not worth the fight or was it? Oh shoot! I got caught. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where on this the spectrum that falls, but it's curious to you know think about that. And and it was interesting. I mean, it, you know, I I did some digging. You go to the Croatian National Bank Facebook page and Twitter and some of their social media channels and their their websites. They posted. Right away, right at the event, they posted photos of the winning designers with their designs, but you can go in there and see that they deleted the an image. Uh, they deleted the image of the, uh, the one euro coin design that was then rescinded. And you can see that because, you know, Facebook has the view edit history or whatever function. And I thought, this is crazy, you know, in a sense... I mean, you know, you delete a tweet, you can't go find that unless somebody else did, made a screenshot of it. And I wasn't able to find a screenshot of it. But uh, certainly on Facebook, you can see where that image was deleted. You can't see the context, you know, the content of the image, but you can see that an image was deleted. And uh, they also posted videos on YouTube. I think it was. I think that's where it was. This this was a couple of weeks ago. Their channel, you know, it said, you know, one of four images of uh, four videos and there were only the, the three videos then posted because one had been deleted, the one with the one uh, Euro coin design. So <laughs> it was rather fun to, to dig into this and, and try to get the receipts, uh, if you will, uh, as in the common parlance today, you know, they got busted and I don't say this to make them feel bad or whatever. I mean, this happens, but you know, they, they tried to cover their tracks. They tried to make the best out of the situation. And there's only so much that they could do given uh, the way they use the platform to promote the new designs rather than deleting everything and reposting it. And, and you could even go in there and see people were commenting on the post about, you know, making snide comments about the, the alleged stolen design from the photograph and all that. It was, it was just really interesting again to see see that all unfold and you know it's all it was all possible because of social media so as you noted yeah and that's the thing that drew my attention to it too and you you cited the example from the early 90s when there wasn't the social media or there wasn't the internet in the form that it is today and it just makes me kind of wonder you know, about if this has happened in the past, I mean, you're talking about a, a an animal in nature, and there are a lot of 
coins and a lot of coin designs that have, uh, you know, have animals on them. It's very possible that this has happened in the past and got away with it because there was no way of verification, no, uh, you know, sometimes, and that's what's tough about art is that, you know, there are rights that these creators have, and even the designer has rights, but there are rights that these creators have, and when you usurp those rights, well, that's just totally not right. I mean, because, you know, we're very cognizant of the use of images. That's why you had to reach out to the photographer to get that image. You couldn't just steal it off some platform or anything. You've got to be cognizant of the rights that these individuals have as creators. And I think back to the time when in the 50s or the early 60s or whatever, where some beautiful uh, designs were done, you know, were they done? Were they above board? We'll never know. We'll never know. But, uh, you know, it's just interesting that this is one case. And you cited the previous Croatia, uh, Croatia versus uh, Serbia type thing. And it's just like these people can't win for losing. But uh, was the one euro the only coin that was uh, you mentioned others? So there were other denominations that were uh, designed under this program. Yes. So in the Eurozone, the group of nations that circulate the euro coinage, and we'll touch We'll, we'll touch more on that later, hint, hint. Uh, in the Eurozone, there are eight denominations of coins uh, for general circulation. Now, that doesn't speak to the reality that in a handful of countries, the one and two cent coin don't circulate. So, you know, set that aside. But, you know, in general, eight denominations, one cent, two cent, five cent, 10 cent, 20 20 cent, uh, 50 cents, one euro, and two euros. So some countries decide to have a design unique to each denomination. So they have eight different designs. Several countries choose to do one design on the three smallest denominations, another design on the three middle denominations, and then separate designs for the one and two euro. Sometimes there's a separate design on the one euro and a separate design on the two euro. So, you know, there's various permutations. So in Croatia, anyway, they're going to have one design on the one, two, and five cent, one design on the 10, 20, and 50 cent. And the only thing that's going to change is, you know, the denomination reference, right? And then they'll have the design on the one euro and a different design on the two euro. Now, my story lays all this out, what the other designs are for anybody who wants to dig into that side of things. You know, that's sort of immaterial to this, although as I wrote about it, you know, this uproar really distracted from that design unveil because, you know, you want to see what coins are coming out, that kind of thing. So it, it was a distraction from that, but that's how it's going to work in Croatia. And I, I don't know off the top of my head, there's many, like I say, many countries that have various designs. Ireland, for instance, has the Irish harp on all their coins. So, you know, regardless of denomination of circulating coin, same design. That's, it's, it's handled on a country by country basis. This is how Croatia is doing it, four different designs. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's a little bit insightful right there, but unfortunately, you opened Pandora's box into something that we're not going to get into today, but uh, I'm just going to warn you in advance here. We're going to have a discussion someday about 20-cent coins because 
I, you mentioned that as one of the denominations. It's a denomination we don't have in this country. Anymore. And, yeah, anymore. We did it one time in the 1870s. But, you know, we instead have the 25. And, you know, I think Australia still has the 20, don't they? Or, they do. Uh, okay. So then we're going to get into that, but not now. So that pretty much takes care of the uh, activities and the issues of today. But I, I think we need to look back now at uh, one of our most popular segments of the Coin World podcast. And that is this week in numismatic history. What do you have for us now? It's always fun. I mean, I I say this again and again, how I love looking back in time. And uh, the thing that I found f- to talk about this week was especially exciting because of the romance involved. And I don't mean a love story, uh, you know, here a couple weeks after Valentine's Day. I'm talking about the pirate's gold doubloon, the piece of eight, the, um, you know, Spanish colonial gold coinage that you think about in pirate treasure in 1675 on February 25th, there was a Royal warrant authorizing the Mexico city mint. That's the North America's uh, oldest mint to make gold coins, to make gold pieces. And, uh, you know, our little nugget of history doesn't explain what pieces those are, but as a general rule, the Spanish and Spanish colonial gold coinage was eight reales, right? Uh, the silver was eight reales and, and they made gold versions as well, I believe. And, you know, you, you see that uh, replica pirate's treasure golden form. They're usually the so-called cob coins. These are struck with, um, you know, a very rudimentary figure. Often, you know, they're not, they're not perfectly round like machine struck coinage. They, they just took these bars of metal and hacked off pieces and struck them. And, and so there's striking characteristics that are unique to every coin. Uh, generally it's such a romance to think about. I mean, we, I know from covering auctions of, you know, say Daniel Frank Sedwick, I mean, you spoke with him with Dan at fun show this year and they had a, a giant silver bar. I think it was on display. Uh, you know, there are sometimes gold bars, recovered in these wrecks and you know the wrecks most famous 1622 nuestra señora de la tocha uh there's the spanish plate fleet 1715 there's several wrecks the concepcion you know the uh, cazador el cazador the hunter in spanish and shipwreck coins are just so fun and again romantic so i thought you know you, you couldn't have those coins in the wreck in a sense without that royal warrant uh, being issued to authorize the gold coinage, February 25th, 1675. And the nice thing about Rex is you're talking about, that spans centuries. Mm -hmm. We're talking centuries. uh, You know, you think of the 1850s, you think of the 1600s, the plate fleet, 1715. That just spans centuries. And so the the travel that's there and uh, the idea that some of this treasure has rested as long as it has, but some of it's seen circulation. I know we've talked about some in the Straits of Cuba and some of the uh, areas down around South America and different places where this all happens. And there's a certain amount of intrigue that goes along with that, a certain amount of allure. Who wouldn't want to find 
a, you know, a buried treasure chest, uh, but we're talking, you know, they never made it to land type thing. So it's always interesting. And whenever, I mean, it's just fascinating every time you read about a shipwreck, read about the history, read about the discovery, read about the, the persons who were, you know, were involved, read about what led up to it. And, you know, I think back to our conversation we had with uh, Corey Frampton regarding uh, U.S. Mexican and uh, all the yeah. different historic elements that are are found in the uh, Spanish colonial part of the Mexican uh, history. There, as you mentioned, aptly so, Mexico City Mint, the oldest North American mint. So it's always great to have uh, items like that. But so, I mean, we've talked a little bit about world here with Croatia. We've talked a little bit about this. Uh, I'm going to put a, a kind of a domestic spin on it for just a little bit here as we take our look back in coin world history in 1999. I've got to believe there's something domestically that's going to jump off those pages for us. Well, you're um, you're right, although I don't know uh, if I'm going the direction you, you want me to go. But I will say the, the cover story of the February 22nd, 1999 issue it's a blast to look back at this. First off, 1999, I chose that because that was the year, the first year date of Euro coins. That's not when the Euro was officially adopted in circulation, but uh, the countries in the Eurozone, many of them started striking Euro coins with the date 1999. Well, what was happening in the coin world in 1999? That was early on in the state quarter program. And so naturally, the uh, state quarter issuance, uh, both of contemporaneous designs and what would follow in 2000, dominated the front page. The smaller of the stories referenced the Delaware quarter and how it was entering circulation. And, and there had been reports of it circulating in 39 of the 50 states at that point. Uh, interestingly, the Editorial from then-editor Beth Deicher, past Coin World podcast guest, talks about how the U.S. Mint was not giving credit to the designers for the designs, and that, I think, started with the Delaware Quarter. Uh, readers got a look in this issue of the designs for the 2000 quarters, uh, 2000 dated quarters for Massachusetts, Maryland, South Carolina, New Hampshire, and Virginia. <laughs> I don't think any of the designs that appeared on the front page of CoinWorld for the 2000 quarters were actually adopted. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, the, the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee had its say and, um, you know, the Secretary of the Treasury ultimately makes that decision. I found the most interesting story, uh, the story on page three, I guess it was, on um, some medals from the U.S. Mint. And I, you know, I'm going to beat that drum again to talk about U.S. Mint medals. And um, this was uh, medals for Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela. I have the Nelson Mandela medal, I believe. I don't think I have the Mother Teresa one. It's so sad what the U.S. Mint in recent times has done to the medal program, uh, pricing out so many folks. So I'm keen to, again, this is my, if ever I'm going to give a 
recommendation for profit taking or whatever, my advice is when you can find them in shop stocks, cheap bronze metals, especially in the cello still, the wrapper, that little plastic wrapper, uh, oftentimes uh, you'll find them in the $1, $2 bin, that type of thing. Pick them up because the modern ones coming from the mint now are crazy expensive. And, uh, you know, there's some great, great metals out there. There's a John Wayne medal. There's a Red Cross medal. There's a, a medal for American balloonist. Uh, there's one for uh, Soviet dissident uh, Natan Sharansky, which, you know, that has a, a interesting meaning in, in the context of what's going on today. Uh, I mean, there's just so many neat congressional gold medal bronze duplicates out there and, and other bronze metallic issues from the U.S. Mint. You know, it's cheap fun. I mean, I at the local shop here, less than a mile away from me, early on in my move to St. Louis, I picked this up. It's a, it's a cardboard display with about eight or 10 bronze medals on it, and they show different minting and assay facilities and Federal Reserve Bank branches or branch banks or something. I mean, it was really neat. And, you know, it was like 10 bucks. And I thought, okay, you know, I, I got to get that because why not? I mean, it, it's it's here in my office. It's it's just, it's one of those neat things. I had never seen it before. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the I'll never make my money back from it when my collection sold, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And that is after all the point. So that's what uh, what jumped out to me this issue. Well, yeah, and it's great. I mean, as your point is, you're having a lot of fun with it. And whether you make your money back on it or not is irrelevant. So uh, there were a few letters that were of interest. Uh, one of them I really liked is called More Cleaning. Boy, didn't expect to hear that. The cleaning of a coin, whether chemical or mechanical, is a deliberate and calculated attempt to enhance a coin's surface features. The ultimate goal of these surface enhancements is to pass a coin off at a higher grade. A true uncirculated coin should not have luster breaks at the highest points. When there are luster breaks on these parts, grading companies grade the coin about uncirculated 58 or lower. Cleaning of coins disrupts the flow lines and reflectivity, causing original mint luster to become seriously impaired. The process makes luster breakage on high points of coins very difficult to detect. Raw coins that fit the above description are purchased by collectors who submit their treasures for certification only to find a no-grade cleaned or an AU58 instead of the expected mint state 62 or higher. The coin market is infected with borderline uncirculated and premium brilliant uncirculated raw material offered at bargain prices. I've never seen a dealer who will guarantee that his material will certify MS-60 or higher if advertised as uncirculated. If dealers continue to refuse to stand behind their material, why buy? There are no fewer than six certification companies presently in business. These companies are the collector's only insurance policies that protect them from cleaning woes. And that's from Steve J. Stephen J. Sabatino out of Newfoundland, New Jersey. So that was one of them that really uh, caught my attention. Another one was in reaction to Paul Jokes's uh, article about the silver three cent pieces that appeared in a previous issue, actually two weeks previous to this. And it says, pertaining to the mention of overdates, 
a newly discovered, quite unusual 1852 featuring a one over an inverted two should be added to the list. I would also like to mention that Coin World readers should examine their own three-cent coins for many wonderful varieties exist and often go unnoticed. Many people have debated that a trime is too simple a design. While beauty is in the eye of the beholder, bear in mind that the Coin Act of 1851 specifically stated that said coin shall bear such devices as shall be conspicuously different from those of the other silver coins and from the gold dollar, but having the inscription United States of America and its denomination and date. James Longacre acknowledged that he would have preferred more depth and detail, but was severely constrained by the extreme thinness and small size of the piece. Longacre also felt that a complex design would defeat its success. And that's from Jonathan Lerner from Scarsdale Coin of Scarsdale, New York. And that's always great to talk about some of these lesser-known denominations. We mentioned the 20 cent earlier here. But I, you know, I got a couple of three cents, and I'm going to start looking at them too. But uh, thanks to those letters from our February 22nd, 1999 issue. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned, I mean, Mr. Lerner is a specialist in the three cent coinage, especially the silver stuff. But you know, he's done all sorts of things. Uh, also interesting, I've come to know him because of a, a dealer group. He specializes in or, or knows a great deal about coins related to magicians. So uh, it's kind of a, that's a fun topic, different topic, uh, but it speaks to the, you know, the, the variety that awaits in this wonderful hobby, right? I mean, it's three cent coins, two cent coins, 20 cent coins, uh, maybe even half dimes. They, they don't get the love that the Morgan dollar or the Lincoln cent get, but gosh, you know, you can carve your own path, you know, you can go your own way. I'll leave it at that, but there's just so much. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who had an introduction to the U S side of things as a youngster. And certainly my knowledge base has as an adult and as a semi-professional, if you will, has been concentrated in the world side of things. But in the last uh, three to six months, I've really been looking at U.S. coins with a with a more focus and and looked at some three cent pieces and two cent pieces, shield nickels, some other things, things that I just didn't have before. It's fun because after all these years, it's fresh to me because I haven't been immersed in it. I've been able to add some reference material related to some of these topics. I have a lot more that I don't have that are sort of on the wish list, but um, I'm 42. Eric Newman lived to 106. Not that I'm ever in the league of Newman, but if I live to 106 and continue to learn in the hobby all that time, no one could could do that and know everything. Yeah. Even Newman, I mean, for all he knew and, and, you know, I could live to 200 and, and never reach Newman's level. But yeah. if you're stuck in one area, well, pivot and, and, uh, you know, head this other direction, you know, the market's chasing, uh, you know, Morgan's, uh, the premiums on proof American silver Eagles are high now, you know, well, eventually they'll be down lower. So, Look at something else in the meantime. You know, there's enough out there <laughs> to stay active and have fun. And um, you don't have to follow the crowd. Now, you know, if you've, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the the nod to the, you know, making money sort of things. How do you quantify? I mean, 
this is a great hobby because you can spend your money on it and you're still going to have something at the end of the day that you could sell to recoup some of that. And a lot of hobbies aren't like that. So, yeah, uh, you know. Well, it was said to me early on that, you know, the idea that you have at the beginning of a collection journey is seldom where you end up at the end of it. And it's just because there's so much possibility that just because, you know, like I'm me starting out with the state quarters of, appropriately for the, I have all up to 2003, but that doesn't mean that's the only thing I'm interested in. There's this and that and the other, and you know, you don't have to fit into a particular box in order to do this. And so, I mean, as we mentioned at the top, it's a vast world out there. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody has not had much experience, they don't understand just what's involved in ancients, just what's involved in, you know, now, how the euro works. I mean, it took a trip to Europe to figure that out for me. And then you've just explained it right here. Could have saved me a lot of heartache had I known that back in 2015. But just the idea that, you know, when you're doing this, you're your own boss here. I mean, it's just if you want to do it for profit, great. Knock yourself out. That's it. That's not my motivation. My motivation is just to have these, to have and to hold, uh, to keep that romance thing going here. But just the idea of something like that. And that's what makes it really, really neat is this the idea that we can. I mean, and if you find something that really doesn't float your boat, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to get involved. You know, it's just uh, that that's what's so neat about it. And, you know, that's enough of the editorializing right here. At some point, maybe there'll be some folks would find some value in us exploring some of the, um, I mean, you talk about the money side of things, you know, there's, it's so tough to make money in this business. Certainly if you, unless you have money, but you know, the information, you know, everybody's a dealer, right? You go out on the bourse floor and you see people carrying the gray sheet that, you know, they're not running a a brick and mortar. They're not setting up at tables at the national shows. The market is, there's so much price information. There's so much available at your fingertips that it takes certain things to make it work. And specialization is one way, right? I mean, we had the story in a recent issue of Coin World uh, about a guy who found a, uh, I want to say the 17th known example of this rare variety of uh, half cent or, mm-hmm. or cent. It was a cent. Yep. Yeah, it was the a N5 cent. large cent. Yep. Yeah, large cent. And, and you know, anybody could have found that because it was on eBay, I think it was, or some online auction site. Let's assume eBay. And, you know, as the story relates, uh, the, the winning person who we've kept anonymous at CoinWorld, they were seconds away from losing out to somebody else that had the same amount of knowledge. And so that speaks to knowledge is power and always being on the hunt and looking and being aware of opportunities and being ready to capitalize when those present themselves. But boy, you know, when everybody can hold, as I, you know, I can, I can pick up my cell phone, when everybody can carry around so much information in their pockets, uh, you know, it takes a special level to really make it work. And and this person, I want to say the coin was $171 or something like that, if I remember. And it's a $10,000 coin, maybe. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's, then you go, okay, you know, 
how much are you going to really profit, you know, on that? And then you go, okay, well, that's one example. But if I want to do this for a living, that was less than $100, I think. No, it was 171. That's right. You need several grand slams like this to make it worthwhile, or you need a whole lot of singles, right? You know, you in, in baseball parlance, I can think about baseball a little bit since there's no <laughs> spring training going on yet, but yeah, thanks for reminding me. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, if there were, I'd be coming down there and, and hanging out at your house for a week to go catch some minor league games. But anyway, or, or you know, the spring training stuff, but, but anyway, it's, such a different world than, you know, you talk about before the internet and being able to respond via social media regarding coin design and all that. I mean, think about how drastically the market has changed in my lifetime, notwithstanding yours, just, just in mine. I mean, you look at the, the pages of coin world we have in 1979 and, the market was dictated by the cycle of, well, the coin world issue comes out and subscribers receive it 10 days later. You know, they look at the ads and then they, they start calling the advertisers to hunt down an example. And, you know, then they have to wait for the coin to arrive. And then they look at it and they go, eh, I don't like it. I'm going to send it back or whatever the case may be. I mean, I did that. I, there's a world coin guy, um, world coin dealer that uh, on his latest list, I, I got his email and, and I looked at the list and I sent off my order and I got it. And, you know, a handful of coins, I just, they didn't excite me like I had hoped. They weren't as nice as, as I thought they should be for to be in my collection. And he, he very happily says, no, you know, if, you know, I'll, I'll be glad to take items on return upon your inspection, you know, just, you got to cover postage. So I shipped them back, you know, and, and it's like in a world where so much is online and imaged and, you know, there's still folks who are doing it the old way and there's still a place for it, but, you know, I can go to, an auction website and there's several out there and almost all of their lots are imaged. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a, an industry standpoint, not necessarily eBay. Now that presents its own sort of challenges, right? You know, there's Whitman has published the book grading coins by using photographs, something like that's the title. And there's pitfalls regardless. It's just understanding what, minefields to navigate and how to navigate them and proceeding forward uh, with that understanding. So, you know, what a different world we live in, but yeah, anyway, as I'm wont to do off on a tangent, I should, yeah. I should probably um, stop uh, talking. Uh, okay. I, no, you don't stop talking yet because you're talking about minefields. And I think it's time for me to venture out into the minefield that you tend to present to me in the world of coin trivia, because I didn't get the opportunity to answer a question last week. We kind of got preoccupied. Great interview with Mitch Ernst, by the way. But, uh, you know, just the idea when Chris and I were, we did answer the question regarding how many mints were operating in 1930. I got it wrong. I forgot about Manila. So I got the easy ones. I took the low-hanging fruit, didn't climb the tree. So um, because I got that wrong, I need to do something to kind of save face here. 
So I'm going to give you that chance. Okay. So we've, we've talked about the Euro because of our news story, because of, you know, these other aspects Um, you've used the Euro. So, I mean, you know, I know there's some familiarity there, but uh, what I want to know is when the Euro was adopted January 1st, 2002, how many countries started using the Euro when the Euro debuted? How many then? And how many now? And they're different numbers, but you'll get at least one right, I'm fairly certain. I don't know if you'll get the second part right, but, you know, it's... um The easy thing is you know, theoretically, you would think, that the second number would be higher than the first number. So there, there's at least that going for you. <laughs> yeah, and we don't count creation this, right? Because it's not... You said now, not in Correct. the future. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I'm looking for official member states, not the EU territories. So there's a there's a number that's out there. And again, you know, the number that used it initially is widely recognized and accepted and is even baked into the coin design. I'll give you that hint. Oh, okay. So there's a way to tell based on the coin design, uh, which there's certain aspects that have remained prevalent even today. So the early number is one aspect of the question, and the, the current number is the second aspect. I won't ask you to name all the member states. That's not, uh, that's a little beyond what's necessary for this. Uh, but think about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I can return to Europe again and spend some of my euros that I've been saving up for such an event. And uh, perhaps, you know, maybe that day will come this year. That could very possibly be. So uh, if you talk anymore, you're going to start giving away the answer. So you better just uh, back it off right there. So okay. uh, um, just I'll go with that and I'll try to come up with both sides of that coin, so to speak. Well, here we are uh, as we enter the last week of February and uh, we're starting to get geared up for some shows. I mean, uh, I, I'm taking a look at the calendar here and, and seeing we got some pretty big events coming up. Like out in March, we're going to see the National Money Show happening out in Colorado. I know Whitman's coming up here pretty soon. It's just going to be uh, a case of what we'd like to do is just invite our listeners, if you happen to be at one of those shows where we happen to be, and we're going to be out and about, just not sure when just yet, we invite you to stop by, talk to us, make your suggestions. Uh, hopefully, uh, you may even encounter us at one of the shows where we happen to have our mobile studio set up. That's a possibility that mobile studio is going to be going around, I mean, Coin World Remote. So let's just uh, hope that that comes to fruition. We'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. But we hope to, in 2022, be able to bring the podcast on the road. Not live, mind you, but on the road. Awesome. I, I guess I should have talked to you about that first. Yeah, but. as as Fraser Crane would say, I'm listening. So, <laughs> so perhaps uh, we can learn more about that and something to look forward to in any event. So, yep. uh, you know, we thanks thank uh, again Coin World Plus for being here, bringing today's show to everyone, and uh, we thank you for listening uh, these forty some minutes. And uh, you know, until next week. Happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week.
CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at coinworldplus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.